0: All right, welcome back everyone to our monthly video podcast series, uh, The Wellness Talks, where we meet with subject matter experts from across UF and UF Health to learn more about the latest in their field. Today we have with us Dr. Um, Ernesto Escoto to talk with us about mental health disparities experienced by different communities, um, uh, focusing on the collegiate experience. Dr. Escoto currently ser- serves as the Counseling and Wellness Center Director he is also a licensed psychologist and a clinical associate professor here at the University of Florida. Dr. Escoto approaches therapy from a developmental, humanistic, and multicultural approach, integrating interperson process theory. Welcome Dr. Escoto, and thank you for being with here with us today. Thank you for thank you. having me. I appreciate it. Before we get started, is there anything in your background or in the introduction that you would like to highlight or add to our discussion today? And um,
1: my experience has been primarily in a uh, college you know cancering centers. I worked at the Ohio State University and also the University of Miami before coming to the University of Florida about five and a half years ago. And so I'm very very happy to be here.
0: Yeah, perfect um, I'm very excited to talk with you. I know you have a, a lot of knowledge and experience in this field and the focus for our discussion today is going to be really that the the health disparities experienced within a college. Uh, our campus university. Uh, So as a mental health expert, how would you define um, mental health in a few sentences just so that we all have kind of a similar understanding Um, and what are health disparities from your perspective?
1: Yeah, yes, absolutely. I think uh, the way that I see mental health, it's our our ability to maintain a healthy perspective that incorporates not only uh, physical wellness, emotional wellness, but also a spiritual, you know, cultural wellness, and to be able to remain, uh, you know, functional and contributing members of our society. And health disparities, you know, tend to impact a number of communities, uh, including uh, student populations across, you know, universities in the United States. Obviously, uh, by the time that the students come to a uh, university setting, they have already probably experienced a lot of disparities based on their background, whether that is uh, cultural, ethnic, racial, socioeconomic status, access to resources, and some of that uh, uh, impact, you know, will remain in place for the years that they come to the university as well,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so definitely health disparities are well-documented in research um, and experienced by many, specifically those in marginalized populations uh, could you speak a little bit about um, what are uh, what disparities are recognized in the seeking of counseling or other mental health resources specifically? Um, and are there any other dis- uh, disparities observed in the continuation of treatment?
1: Yeah. You know, oftentimes we see uh, uh, people of color, uh, Black, African-American identifying communities who may be overrepresented, uh, overrepresented in uh, poor in poor communities, communities with limited resources, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, results of that, they may have limited access or oftentimes no access to health and mental health, you know, resources, and because of that, limited access or lack of access, um, individuals may develop, you know, chronic severe health and mental health, you know, concerns, mm-hmm. and so are um, you know. Black, indigenous people of color identifying communities in terms of our students on our campuses, if they happen to have grown in an environment that lacked you know access to resources, then they're likely to come to us already with pre-existing conditions that have become chronic and severe.
0: And, and um, adding a little bit more to that, um, what impacts do those health disparities have on health outcomes? So for example, in the example you provided, um, people who may not have had access to care one way or another, and therefore, by the time they get access to care here on a college campus or otherwise, th- they've already had kind of this compounding effect happening. So, what are what are the outcomes here for the yeah, individuals?
1: Absolutely. You know, we could have a student that then comes to us already presenting with chronic and severe uh, depression, mm-hmm. and that means that for us to be able to assist that a student, it's going to require Uh, a longer term, in in longer care, you know, not just a handful of days or 7, 12 days, but potentially going into the upper teens, mid-20s as a way of us being able to help them. And when you think of a student's, you know, um, college life, a semester is roughly about 16 weeks. And so that can have a pretty serious impact on the student's ability to perform academically, to also be able to establish friendships, develop a social life, you know, just have a, uh, a positive, uh, fulfilling,
0: you know, college experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. Um, I actually just read, uh, recently read an article about the impact of uh, kind of the short burst of stressful situations versus the, the long-term, um, you know, chronic uh, stress that someone may experience. And uh, some this study specifically indicated that those short bursts of high intensity, uh, stressful situations, for example, uh, finals week for students um, has a huge impact on people's health. Um, and those who have already, you know, may already have that chronic um, uh, stress or anxiety, or maybe experiencing some sort of levels of depression, that's just a compounding effect. And it's, it, it turns out to be very detrimental to people's health. So absolutely. it's a very interesting study to read. Yes, absolutely, yeah. This is a big ask, um, and I, we probably won't be able to cover everything today. But what are some of the possible solutions to this? Um, how can we eliminate or reduce health disparities uh, and their impact on health outcomes? And with this question, I'm speaking on um, individuals on a college campus, but also, um, um, for example, Mike, like myself and my other colleagues who may be providing wellness resources um, and initiatives to faculty and staff and students. Um, just in general as members of the campus community, what yeah. could we do to reduce those health disparities? Yeah,
1: you know, those disparities are often exacerbated by the lack of providers that have adequate training in working with multicultural communities. And so we, we need to continue to invest in the training of um, mental health providers, you know, in this instance, that are uh, culturally sensitive, uh, you know, social justice, you know, focus, uh, that can connect with a wide range of uh, students who who may have multiple identities and come from different backgrounds, as a way to, as a way of uh, strengthening our ability to serve you know those individuals and, and those students. And so uh, it is a difficult ask you know at times, but making sure that organizations um, are diversely you know di- uh, diversified you know in a way, but also that those clinicians are really well trained to provide that care you know to students. Um, that can be very helpful for students who may not have had access or grown accustomed to accessing, you know, mental health resources. To be able to see themselves themselves in a counseling center mm-hmm. and know that the counseling center also has a positive reputation in working with uh, students who may identify as, you know, um, Black, Indigenous, or you know, people of color. That can go a long way in helping those students. Uh, and so securing resources, establishing those resources, uh, making, su- making sure that the uh, human resor- resource is also well-trained in, in providing that care as a way of um, uh, addressing some of those you know, uh, disparities that are already in place.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, representation is definitely very important here. Um, but in the, in the meantime, as um, we build um, and expand on those uh, you know, diversity, are there any resources or trainings that individuals can take to better understand um, that you are aware of that you could recommend here today, or maybe um, later that I can share as part of the description for this video?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know academic programs are doing a better job uh, of training their uh, graduate students who are future counselors and psychologists, you know, social workers, and uh, post our you know graduate training. Uh, there are a number of trainings available that professionals can continue to uh, uh, to take uh, to improve their skills. Oftentimes, th- those can be population-specific or issues, you know, issue-specific. Uh, I will encourage for our faculty and staff at the University of Florida to take the Cognito training. It's not as specific to working with diverse students, but it is about helping students who may be in distress, and specifically students who may be experiencing Uh, suicidal thoughts and it can provide you know they can faculty and staff can be exposed to some basic skills that can go a long way in helping somebody who may be in distress and i know that the university also has an initiative in making sure that uh, we continue to grow in the area of diversity and inclusion social justice and so the office of diversity and inclusion is also putting out together, you know, a number of uh, uh, educational efforts to address, you know, this one item as well, so.
0: Perfect, yeah, I definitely, I, I can speak to the Cognito training because I just yeah. recently completed that. It's a, it's a really great resource, or uh, lots of great information um, mm-hmm. shared within that. Uh, the, uh, the implicit bias or managing bias training also, lots of great information shared and provided in there as yeah. well.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, Joseph, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: And so I'm I'm hearing that there is um, uh, some, I guess, cultural uh, aspects to um, disparities of health or, and I guess, access to health as well. So what are some cultural factors which influence attitudes about mental health? Um, and can these attitudes and beliefs be reshaped over time? And if so, to what extent? And I can repeat, I know it's a long question, so I can break it down mm-hmm. and repeat it. Yeah. You know, one of the things that
1: we know is that a stigma is still very much prevalent in, 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 in minoritized, you know, communities. Um, and especially uh, when you think of communities like our indigenous communities, Black, African American communities that have experienced actual trauma as a result of uh, medical efforts or psychological interventions that were provided to these communities that were in violation of human rights. Uh, it is quite understand- understandable that uh, many members of these communities remain skeptical as- about seeking care, you know, from uh, mental health providers. And so we want to be able to acknowledge, you know, the wrongdoing, the hurt, the trauma, as a way of uh, being able to reestablish, you know, trust, you know, with these communities, so they can feel more comfortable seeking access, you know. Uh, from providers. And if we, you know, continue to improve our ability to train providers that look like, you know, uh, these communities, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color, Mm -hmm. I think that can really help us, you know, reestablish that trust, you know, uh, and and better serve, you know, those communities as well. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I think that fits really well into my next question, which is why is cultural competency important in the field of counseling? And what does that look like? Yeah, I think that, you know, as a result of uh,
1: what I think is g- the good training that I have received, you know, I'm able to provide some of these answers and have been exposed to some of that history that allows me to also better understand the communities that we serve and other trainings that have also, you know, kind of uh, uh, helped me and become better skilled, you know, at working with. Um, students who may come from LGBTQ uh, communities, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color. And so um, all of these elements, I think, can help us, you know, continue to improve our ability as a society, as a community, as individuals, you know, to better serve uh, all of our students, really, uh, because, uh, you know, that's what we're here for, to really serve all students on our campus.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a a very important, um, point to make um, in that in addition to the representation and having that representation and the importance of it. Um, also having um, the, the trainings and, and making sure that we're aware and recognizing our shortfalls and also the areas that we need to work on it and actually make, you know, making efforts to work on them to make those fi- um, who may not feel um, uh, as part of the community to, to feel represented, to feel heard, um, and to feel that they have access to care that they need. Absolutely.
1: That's an excellent point, Yusuf. I think all of us, you know, will have conscious and unconscious, you know, biases and limitations. And these trainings, you know, can help us continue to grow in that area and, and be better professionals, in, you know, for whatever we do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is there? Um, and and I guess this is kind of circling back to the to the idea of having um, counselors who look like um, the, the individuals that we want to reach. Um, and kind of having this diversity. Is there a benefit to having um, counselors who may sh- have shared some similar background or identities as the populations that we want to reach? Um, and how is that available? Um, how is this option available to our campus community?
1: Yeah, it really helps, you know, especially for students who uh, uh, may not have grown, you know, uh, in a spaces where resources were readily available or, or they may have developed some negative association with resources uh, it can be an initial step, you know, as a way of re-establishing trust. Someone who looks like themselves, who may be more familiar with uh, their cultural backgrounds or identities uh, can be uh, can really offer some reassurance uh, that uh, the organization in this instance, you know, the, C- the CWC is making an effort to make sure that we provide appropriate care. Uh, and still, there is there are personalities, and people need to be able to match and and really get to know each other. Uh, but it can be an initial step. You know, the training, uh, uh, providing appropriate, multiculturally, you know, uh, inclusive, you know, training is absolutely a must. It's not a substitute for simply having a diversified, you know, workforce. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I appreciate hearing that. I, I did as I was looking through the website. The, the CWC website, I saw that there was a lot of variety and it was actually mentioned as part of the description, um, the the, ne- the number of different backgrounds represented, different mm-hmm. languages, different experiences and identities. Uh, and I think that was just very warming to see as part of this campus community is to see that it's, um, th- there there is there are efforts to have that representation available on campus. Yeah. Um, the, um, the next question is kind of related to the experiences that we've had over the past, um, year or so. And that is with a, a significant shift towards kind of telehealth services and kind of digital um, experiences. What are there? Are there any additional disparities illuminated by the obstacles um, to accessing this service um, digitally?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I really think of, uh, especially the students who may come from uh, uh, you know from don't don't have the economic you know resources uh, to be able to have adequate you know access to Wi-Fi you know or a computer a laptop an ipad to be able to hold a session or maybe uh, uh, their the residence doesn't provide the privacy where they can actually go into a room and be able to connect you know with a provider uh, via Zoom or some other HIPAA compliant, you know, uh, uh, resource. And so there's a lot that are, you know, a number of challenges that individuals that don't have the financial resources, uh, may, may, are facing really today as a way of uh, being able to, uh, access care. One of the things that we're doing on our campus is that we have developed or established, you know, Zoom rooms where the students who may not have access to, uh, uh, privacy in their dorms or apartments, you know, in the community, they can actually come to either one of our offices or the uh, career uh, center. They, okay. they partner with us and they don't have to actually identify the purpose for using the interview rooms that they have, but they can actually make use of a uh, Zoom uh, suite uh, that is uh, equipped, you know, with all of the uh, uh, hard work for them to be able to have a, a Zoom session uh, via a, a HIPAA compliant, you know, uh, uh, mode. So,
0: Perfect. That's, um, that's definitely great to hear. It's a, a wonderful mm-hmm. resource, an additional wonderful resource to have on campus. Yeah. Um, a, a slight shift in in kind of terms of population. I know that we've focused on students, and um, and that is kind of your focus, but it Are there any additional disparities that you may be familiar with in terms of uh the faculty and staff and um and ways that we can help address that
1: yeah and that is too that you know the university requires that all the students uh, have some form of insurance Mm -hmm. where unfortunately not all insurance are the same and some families are going to be able to afford uh, better packages than others sometimes because of the employer that they work for and so as students who uh, may come uh, to see us and, and there are times in which their presenting concerns may fall outside of our scope of services, then we're faced with the type of insurance that they may have and the type of coverage that they may be able to receive. And so that can limit and you and, know and really impact in a negative way the care that, that it's available to them.
0: Absolutely. I, I see that. Um, I, I wanted to keep this kind of short and sweet. So my last question here is, Is there anything that we have not covered today that you think would be important to share? Uh, Any resources that we haven't mentioned that you think would be very relevant to our campus community?
1: Yeah, you know, especially when I think of our faculty and staff listening to the podcast, you know, um, if they ever encounter some uh, reluctance, you know, some resistance from a student who may benefit from receiving care, the best thing that we can do is to honor that resistance. And what I, mean by, what I mean by that is simply to validate it, to recognize it, to convey understanding uh, of that resistance, that's gonna help decrease it. And hopefully then we can get the student you know, to our doors and then we'll take it from there.
0: Perfect, I like that, I like that. Um, so with that, I think we're gonna go ahead and end our wellness talk for today. I hope that today's session has been informative and valuable to our audience and to our guests as well. Uh, The evaluation survey for today's session will be included uh, on our website and under the video description as well. Um, Please take a moment to give us feedback on your experience, uh, suggest new topics and speakers that we could talk about. Your feedback is very important to us in improving our program and our overall wellness initiatives. Um, To see our other wellness talks, which were previously known as Wellness Wednesdays, visit our website at wellness.hr.ufl.edu and navigate to the Wellness Library page. Um, thank you for tuning in, um, and thank you, Dr. Scudder, for taking the time to be with us, um, and I wish everyone um, a good day.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you.